Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. All right, so we are here today with S.K. Wyatt, formerly known as Susan K. Wyatt. Susan K. Wyatt is the author of the book entitled No Crown Required, Raising a Confident, Courageous, and Compassionate Daughter. And this book is is especially incredible for moms who are raising daughters. Mm -hmm. Susan K. has a special vista from which she looks at the world and from which she looks at her at parenting and looks at her daughter. She was a pageant queen. She was Miss Ohio and she will be forever Miss Ohio. And she competed in the um, Miss America contest 30 years ago. And she actually judged this year's Miss Ohio contest. She is speaking to us from all the wisdom that she learned in competing in pageants and in the years since, as she has been a woman dealing with being a woman in this new world that we're in and raising a powerful daughter, being a powerful woman and and raising a powerful daughter. So thank you for joining us, SK. Bridget, thank you. Oh my gosh, girlfriend, you just just said it all. I think we're done here. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I know. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) First things first. I really, I I really love, I adore, adore, adore the subtitle. And I'm just raising a confident, courageous and compassionate daughter. I adore yeah. that. So I really, I would love to hear how you have brought those three words into your life. When I started writing this book several years ago, I had done a query on uh, Facebook and I asked people who were parents of daughters, I said, tell me three things that you want for your daughter. And the list was, you know, perfect health. I want her to find a great career. I want her to find love. You know, the list everyone's list was slightly different, but after they gave me the list of the three things, mostly they said, I want my daughter to be happy. Mm. Just, I want her to be happy. And I believe that happiness happens when we are in full expression of who we are. And that's where I go back to having confidence and having courage and having compassion. Those key elements can bring you the good health that you're, and the great career and the, 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 the mate that you want in your life. Mm-hmm. So the pageant is a metaphor for life. And so my book, even though it talks about my journey and I tell stories, it really breaks it down and deconstructs these areas of competition and basically explains why it's a metaphor. So, uh, and, and the women who compete, uh, in the Miss America pageant are some of the most amazing women I've ever met. And they are competitive. They're super smart. They're super talented, but they are, oh my gosh, they're relentless. They are, they are disciplined and they, they have passion and they have, they have a passion for what they're doing. They have a passion for people and a love for giving back to the world. 
it really sets the bar incredibly high. And so I was thinking that if I'm going to raise my daughter to be a person who's going to be a success in this world and find her piece of happiness, mm-hmm. that these four areas of competition are really good. They, they lay the foundation for other things um, that we add to that, uh, to, to help our daughters do that. So tell us how you applied those four areas of luck. Cause obviously while you were raising your daughter, you were no longer in the, in that world. No. You left that world, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Actually. So when I was, when I went to Miss America, it was my, that was my fifth pageant of my entire life. I'm not a pageant girl. And after the pageant, I did not stay in, in the pageant world at all. So it wasn't a part of my, of of my life anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a very brief part of my life. It changed my life because it was the beginning of me having a journey of self-actualization and self-realization uh, it, because in order to go speak your mind and speak your platform and be interviewed by anyone, you have to know who you are. Mm-hmm. So the biggest journey that happens is that journey of knowing yourself, knowing what you believe in and learning how to speak your truth, do it eloquently, how to show up and have people see you for who you are. So that's what the pageant did for me. But I was away from it. I mean, I went on to the next entertainment job after that. And then my life kind of you know, went in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But it was always there. And one of the reasons I kind of left it behind is because the stigma of being a pageant queen, as people sometimes call me, which I don't consider myself that at all. But I, the stigma of that is, is, was painful for me because people automatically assume if I was in pageants, that I'm a pageant bimbo of sorts. Mm-hmm. And that I did not feel good about. On the other hand, people were like, oh, wow, you know, it makes you a beauty queen. Then, then there's like a validation of somehow that I'm beautiful because of that. Mm-hmm. So it's a double-edged sword. And so that's why it, it, it's been very difficult for me even to bring this book to fruition because I was hesitant um, to make it about that. But it really is a story that needs to be told for me. So. Yeah. You know, um, and I, I, you, we often hear about bullying stories and, and the hardships that people have in their teen years and in their early 20s. And first of all, let me just, an aside comment here is that, oh my God, you were doing that when you were, what, 20, 20 years old or 21 years old? Like, you, yeah. mm-hmm. like you're competing at such an early age, you don't even know who you are yet. And, and yet you, you guys all come off as so confident and I know that it just blows me away. It's interesting, it's interesting, Bridget, to look back at the younger me. Because when you look back, and I think we all do this as women, I'm almost 54 years old as we're having this conversation. And I look back at that young SK person and I, I just see her as a completely different human being. Mm-hmm. And you know, you ever hear somebody say, Well, if you could talk to your younger self, what would you say to her? Mm-hmm. When I was writing this book, I was looking back at the experiences that she had and, and processing them as I would now. But I, don't, I knew that what was happening at the time, but I don't think, I know for a fact, I wasn't fully processing it. I was just putting on my best face, my best foot forward, and um, I wasn't fully processing everything that was going on. I, and, and these women, once I, when I went back to judge in June, you know, I could see these young women and just all of their energy and all of their excitement. But you know that they're in that place in their lives where they're just, you know, they're not, they're not quite, they're not quite there yet. And so 
Oh, it's nerve wracking. Tell, tell us about the parts of the pageant that we don't see. Like one of the areas that we never see are the interviews. So what, what I talk about in the book, I, I explain to people who don't know that the interview happens before anybody sees anything on stage. The interview process happens the day before, a couple days, depending on how many girls there are. And there are five judges at the, at the state level. And the girl this year has 10 minutes you come in and you have 10 minutes with five judges firing questions at you and they can ask you anything in the world. We can, you know, and so it can be really hard. There's not a lot of softballs thrown. We, we, we get, we, we want to know what you're made of because if you're going to take on this job, the press is going to attack you. They're going to ask you the tough questions. So you, you have to really know who you are. And, um, and so, and all of the girls are so, impressive. I look, I think, oh my gosh, they're very well-spoken. They look very elegant and they're eloquent. They have uh, a great purpose in life that they, you know, a charity that they want to give back to. They have these amazing careers. They're absolutely beautiful. They're engaging. And, and there are different stages of that depending on how old they are. And so it, but I will tell you, um, one of the things that happens in that interview process is there is one girl who kind of emerges Mm. And you can tell that she's ready to step in. You can feel it. There's an energy from her. And even saying that to you right now, it gives me chills because, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're, we're all on a path to, you know, uh, on a path to what we are going to, our, our careers are unfolding in our lives. And when the next right thing happens, we step into it, mm-hmm. but it's usually not until we're totally ready. And right. so that is revealed that is revealed in the interview. And I can tell you there were a couple of girls who really stuck out in my mind that I, I kept an eye for when they were on stage going, I know her because mm. I, know she, I know she's ready. So I want to really want to pay attention to that one. So mm. that's what happens in that room. Did you, when you judged the Miss Ohio contest, mm-hmm. were you correct? I mean, was your choice the one who ended up winning? I had a couple of different choices, but the one who won was absolutely at the end of the whole competition. She was my number one choice. And I was surprised. I was surprised mm. because I'm one of five judges. So yeah, I called it, but I called it because as I say in my book, she's the one that had me at hello. And she did. She had me at hello and I could see it and I could see her energy and her energy also was that way on stage. There are some girls who during the pageant came across as very um, overcoached and very pageanty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh gosh, you know, they don't seem, um, you know, genuine. And, and, and a lot of people see the pageant and only see girls that behave that way. But then when I met them afterwards, I saw this genuine side of them. And I was like, Oh, why didn't I see this person? You know, uh, right. But yeah. I remember competing and I remember a very young me trying to be what they wanted me to be at some point when I was competing. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that was to my demise when I went to Miss America, because, you know, you have good interviews and bad interviews. And I talk about this a lot. Like you're going to have a really great day where everything you're firing all pistons mm-hmm. and then you'll go in the next day or you'll go to someplace else. And it's like, Oh my gosh, that'll be the worst interview I ever had. Or, you know, for a singing gig, I'm like, wow, I sang great tonight. And then that next, that next night, wow, that's the worst I ever. <laughs> right. Like, it's yeah. literally one moment to the next, right? <laughs> that made me feel so powerful and kick ass. And then the next moment, oh my God, that made me feel powerless. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, and that's, that's life. And yeah. so again, raising a daughter, getting back to that, is understanding and anybody who has a daughter or anybody who's just a woman showing up in the world, you know, 
depending on what day it is and where your hormones are and what you had for breakfast or something can just set you off. And it, you know, it, it really is challenging to show up in society for women, just in general. It's, yeah, it's, it's challenging right. for us. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, because I love that, that thing that you noticed about the woman who was ready to emerge, to step yeah. into her power, to uh-huh. step into her greatness. And it just occurred to me that that's what you, that all of you moms are doing. You're, you're helping your children step into their greatness and step out into the world. I'm just, I'm just very moved by who you are, because you're tr- truly taking that on and um, and this book is is so chock full of great advice for for women like that uh, for mothers like yourself. And the response that I'm getting, even from young women who are just like in their in their early 20s, who have read the book, I did the when I first put the book out and had people pre-read it. Um, there was a there was a 22 year old girl who uh, was a marketing uh, executive at a company, and she read the book and she said, "Your book made me want to get my shit together." <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, you know, that's fantastic. Um, and mostly I say, this is about raising your daughter. But if, even if you don't have a daughter or you do have a daughter, it doesn't matter. It's about you get to re-raise yourself. Mm-hmm. And you are modeling the behavior for your daughter. So if we talk about the four areas of competition, which I cover in the book, their swimsuit, which everybody hates. So that's the thing that I, I ripped the bandaid off of swimsuit because it's important. It's health and fitness. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to preach about how important it is to stay fit and healthy, especially as we get older. Um, you, you realize that if you don't stay fit and healthy, that things, the wheels start to come off. It's different, but if you get systems put in place early on, like we have a rule in our house, you have to pick some kind of fitness thing that you like. You could do a power walk. You could be a yoga person. Um, you can go to the gym, you can ride a bike. I don't care what you do. And I told my daughter this, but we have a rule. You have to pick something. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's one of the rules in our house. And we're all very fitness minded people because it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the swimsuit portion. So that, that's that. We just, we'll just put that aside. Um, so then there's the evening gown. So they were trying to take evening gown away, apparently from this America pageant, which I don't really understand because evening gown does show up in life. And they kind of did it, kind of didn't do it, but it really is your own personal style. And having a personal style is a creative form of expression as a human being. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to be who you are and either dress as crazy and funky as you want to do, or, you know, dress for your body or for me, everything in my closet is black. I'm sorry. It just is not sorry. (laughs) So So anyway, so personal style is evening gown. And I, so that's that part of the competition that is life. And of course, we just talked about interview. Interview is the most important thing because it is knowing yourself and knowing what's really going on in the world, uh, figuring out what you can do, how you can contribute to the world. What do you want to do to give back? You know, how you feel about all of the issues and, and participating in all of that in the world to make a world a better place. And it sounds corny, like that everybody wants world peace. But, you know, we all kind of really do want that. So I was inspired by Miss Ohio, though. Um, t- tell us a little bit about Miss Ohio and, and her passion. Oh, Maddie Lynn Christman. She, she's an amazing performer. And I told her, uh, just skip Miss America and go straight to Broadway. She's that talented. And she mm. didn't make the final 15. So no one got to see her on TV, which is a little bummer. Um, she's a mega talent. But her, she, she did have us at hello in the interview. And 
um, her purpose, I thought that her platform, as they call it, very timely and very important. Um, it is depression and suicide. And she has struggled with that herself. This is a very mm -hmm. personal thing for her. Mm -hmm. And it, she, she didn't just choose this as some kind of a vehicle for the pageant. This is actually a part of who she is in real life. And it's something that she, um, she goes out and speaks about. She talks to young people. And, um, and she'll be doing that all year as Miss Ohio. My daughter was like, I asked, I asked my daughter, Elizabeth, who's 17 and will never enter a pageant in, in her entire life. And I asked her, just, even just this week, I said, do you think that Miss America is relevant? Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me really funny and she says, mom, what does she even do? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's a good answer. You don't know what she does. And so that's why I decided to tell her, well, I'm going to tell you what Maddie does, what Maddie cares about as Miss Ohio. This is what she'll be doing. And I believe the Miss America that just got crowned, and I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on her name right now. Once again, this is how much I'm paying attention, but she was a lovely human being who uh, her platform had to do with keeping, getting music into children's lives and getting music back into schools because of the power of music for 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 all of us and and i i totally believe in that too so that's what she's going to be talking about all year i want to circle back also to the fitness the equivalent of the swimsuit section of your of your book because i love this um section it says on page 30 healthy eating is a lifestyle not a diet find what works for you allow yourself time to be naughty too and when you're having a moment with junk food own it and enjoy it nothing to see here is a <laughs> saying that we use in our house no blame no shame. and i really love that nothing to see here step along step along move along now nothing to see here i really love that but my favorite part of it also is no blame no shame and yeah. um that whole the topic of shame um especially you know um when you were talking about reparenting yourself you know yeah. so you're raising a child and you to raise a healthy child, I think it's always a good idea to deal with your own shame factors. <laughs> yep. I, I have a thing with my daughter where I am very transparent with her and I am honest to, to a degree as now that she's older, we talk about a lot of stuff, but you know, my, my Achilles heel is anything with powdered cheese, like uh, cheddar booty. If cheddar booty's in the house, I will eat an entire bag in less than five minutes and I, it just can't be in the house. So I don't buy it. And if I buy it for her, I make her hide it upstairs. I put it someplace where your mom can't see it because I can't have it in the house. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we still have, and she has a big thing for Cheez-Its. She is a, uh, I'm surprised she's not just completely orange. She eats so many of them. And then she'll, <laughs> then she'll go, so mom, please don't buy Cheez-Its. I'm laying off with the Cheez-Its. And I'm like, okay. And then a couple weeks ago, bye. And then she'll be like, mom, can you get me Cheez-Its? I look at her and I go, I said, okay. I said, that's cool. Or she'll get into the snack cupboard and she'll look at me and I'll hear this. You can't like sneak into the snack cupboard in our house because you can hear it like it clicks open. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yeah, we do have that thing where it's like, you know what, babe, you know your body. You're going to do what you're going to do. You work really hard. She works out. She's a, she's a, she does a lot of conditioning in the conditioning room and she really takes good care of herself. And she doesn't, she doesn't overeat. She is a moderation girl. She stops when she's full. And if she needs to sit and eat a bag of something while she's doing her homework at one of the most competitive schools in the, in the country, then you know what, here, have two bags. I don't know what to tell you. You got to get through this and here, have some sugar and some caffeine, you know, <laughs> right. I think that's, I think that's bad parenting, Bridget, but that's in my mind, 
Like, that's some bad parenting right there. How much do you need? Like, do you need another cup of coffee? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, dealing with our bodies, I mean, it's, it's fairly excruciating. I think most of our lives, but definitely in our teen years, I think it's the most excruciating. So yeah. how do you help her hold her heart through these years? Especially, you know, her mom's a beauty queen and obviously she's exquisitely gorgeous as well as of course, but, but um, how do you, you know, it doesn't even have to do obviously uh, body shame and all the things yeah. that we go through with our bodies have nothing to do with what we look like. So right. how are you dealing, how are you helping her? Well, the first step is um, I always talk about having the conversation. That's something I mention a lot, but I also say pay attention. If you really pay attention to what's happening with them, they give you cues as to what's happening with them. And regarding the body image thing, one of the reasons why the Miss America pageant has become irrelevant and pageants in general is because the reason is they don't represent all body types. There's only one body type up there. Yep. Now this year, they did represent a lot more of the color palette of human skin, which is very nice to see. And cultures, there was more, there was more diversity than I had seen. And there were more diversity, uh, there was more diverse body types up there because not everybody is built like Barbie. I mean, even me, as you know, I mean, my boobs weren't big enough. I talk about this in the book and they already had my boobs stuffed. And the Miss Ohio guy comes backstage after I walked the long runway and I was getting ready to go out for the final number. He's like, well, your, 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 your boobs aren't big enough. And I seriously went into my locker and found gym socks and put them into that bra that was already stuffed to the, I mean, honestly, it was the most it's terrifying a, thing. A hilarious story. Yeah, I, I yeah like, it's terrifying. Terrifying. So, but with my daughter, um, she, I, I, I tell the story about her being in a ballerina ballet class with some ballerinas standing next to her. She was at a summer camp for arts and she got to do the film class and then she would move on to the, the, the visual arts class and then she had to take this ballet class and then she had some other kind of class every single day. And it was really to see if she really liked this particular school. How do you feel about being at an arts high school? Well, no, first of all, she hated it. But the, the ballerina, the day I picked her up and she was just in tears and it's because she was in the ballet studio and she was wearing these dumpy long shorts and she's standing next to ballerina skinny girl. Mm -hmm. And, and the visual, the optics of that, like really like sent her through the moon. I think she was, I want to say she was in eighth grade at the time because she was getting ready to go into high school. And we were trying to figure out whether maybe she was in seventh grade. That's probably what it was because that was before she got into the school that she is in now. Anyway, it was, it was devastating because she saw what she saw and she felt bad about herself. Now, mm -hmm. my daughter's very short. She's curvy and she's got the most gorgeous body, uh, but, but she was dressing wrong for her body. So I stood her in front of the mirror and I said, okay, I want you to take a look at these shorts. This is the last time I ever want to see these on your body. <laughs> it's like, no, you know what? Come on, girlfriend. You're like, girlfriend, uh-uh. And, and she, I let her do that to me too. I, I'll, 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 I'll say, well, I have to go out and I'm going to put on a dress and she'll look at me and she'll go, mom, no. Like, mm. mom, that, that looks bad on you for this reason and that reason. And I'm like, oh, thank you for telling me that. I agree. And sometimes if you have to ask somebody if something looks good, you already know that it doesn't. Right, right. 
So you have these girlfriend conversations, but I did have her look at her body in the mirror and I just said, look, look at your gorgeous skin, look at those curves, you know, that booty, her booty is my greatest creation on this planet. I'm like, if you, I don't want you dissing that thing. That's the pre, that's the prettiest booty that ever was. I invented it. It's my greatest work. I, that's it. Just give that thing a blue ribbon and we can call it a day. So anyway, she finally, you know, she finally got over that. I mean, everybody has certain things about themselves that they're not crazy about. I get that, but she does love her body now. And, um, that's and she, that's yeah. a huge testament as a 17 year old <laughs> to love your body. That is extraordinary. Oh yeah. Well, well, yeah. she did go through several things of, she tried to play soccer. She hated soccer. She and I got our black belts together. So for six years we were in martial arts. Wow. And when we were done doing that, you know, we, we both didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, but you have to find something, something that's going to keep you active. And so she tried basketball and she tried a couple of other things and none of it was, you know, feeling, she didn't feel any of it. And she finally found track and field. But what she loves about track and field is she's a pole vaulter and a long jumper. Wow. She's a, she's a very, really good pole vaulter. And that puts her in the conditioning room after school. So she has a trainer every day after school she goes and she's wow. like the senior, she's the senior in the weight room now. And so she's got all this cred and and, and that guy told me, your daughter is the hardest working girl I've ever known at this school. Wow. She's really, she's really dedicated and she's really fun to be around because she really takes it seriously and she loves it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's music to my ears because she finally found something that she loves, not what I do, not what her dad does, Right. but it's all hers. She owns the whole thing. So. Right. So that yeah. was part of the key to finding her love of her body was finding how she wants her body to express itself through how, how, to, how to take care of it. I'm like, you yeah. got this body, yeah. you, you know, and, and it's your job to take care of it and to maintain it. I mean, I, that's what I do. That's what am I, my all, every time people ask me about fitness, they think that I was just born this way. And that I walk around looking like this, like, because it's a natural thing. And I'm like, well, I, I thank my mom and dad for a healthy body. I thank my mom and dad for a beautiful body, but I also really work my ass off. That is what it is. It's discipline. So, yeah. 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 Um, for the, for the moms of daughters yeah. who are not, um, you know, best friends. I mean, it sounds like you guys have a best friend relationship and if, if they mm -hmm. don't have that, do you have any advice for those, like how to talk? Cause I, I have a lot of friends who have daughters and it's just, they find it truly impossible to talk to them. So any tip? That's a tough one because I, I am close to my daughter, but I do know people who aren't as close. But the thing is not, is not to give up. Number one, don't give up on it. Number two, make sure that when that you pick, pick the times of conversation. Uh, I have at times launched into trying to help her or um, having a conversation when she's not in a good space for it. Mm. Um, and so we have to gauge our daughters. You never know what they're going to wake up in the morning like, because it's, you know, they're, they're the teenagers, especially. And when I pick her from school, I never know what I'm going to get. She could be like high as a kite and had a really great day. And then she's just chatterbox or yeah. she's just really silent, really crappy happened. And normally I would jump right in. Cause this is what I do and say, okay, well, you know, tell me about it. What's going on. And sometimes she just needs to marinate. She yeah. needs to go home and she needs to hit something or she just has to get her anger out. And once she comes out the other side of it, I can go, Hey, what's, what's going on. And then yeah. when you do talk to them about whatever's happening with them, you don't try to fix it. 
and you don't judge it. It's their process to go through and you be, you, you hold space for them. And that's the hardest thing to do because we try to fix what's going on. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is the fixing. I, I think it's not just mothers and daughters. It's every single relationship, right? Somebody comes, to, <laughs> somebody comes to you in pain and you're like, oh my gosh, how can I help you fix this? And sometimes people just need to be sad or they just need to be angry. And that's, that's one of the hardest lessons for me too. I, I just, yeah. I want to fix it. I, I, I appreciate as parents, um, that landmine, the fix yes. landmine that you guys all have. My God. I don't yeah, know how no. you do it. Well, it, you know, you ultimately want the best for them. And um, it, it's hard. It's hard not to tell them what to do. And it's hard. It's hard not to con continually, you know, put, put onto them what you think is good for them. And a lot of it's based on our own stuff. Like, I, this would be good for me, so this must be good for you. Mm -hmm. It's very, it is very difficult to sit back, pay attention, and if, if you watch them, even from when they're really little, they reveal to you who they really are and what they really want and mm. what, their, what their gifts are. They, they are revealed in how, what they like, what they do, how they behave, how they behave in certain situations. Mm. You, know, you, can really, you can really gauge what's going on with them um, if you just sit back and pay attention. That's beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of your book was... Um, about the sisterhood um, mm. that, and this, the, I, I hadn't, I haven't been ever bullied by girls or women. So actually, frankly, I haven't been bullied by anybody. I don't, oh yes, no, I was. I went, oh my God, this is bringing back an acid flashback from, I, I, never, <laughs> I never took acid, no, never mind. I didn't take, I swear I've never taken acid, but I'm having this memory of when I was a little girl, I wasn't allowed to, walk in the street right so it was like this hard and fast rule you're not allowed to go into the street and my neighbor friends two sisters that i used to play with every day i went over there to play and then they got mad at me for something and i was trying to come home and they were blocking my way like you know their arms out the two of them so i couldn't so i would have had to step in the street but i was so terrified of my mother that they wouldn't step in the so Girl. I was standing there going, but anyway, I didn't even remember. They were, they did bully me sometimes. Anyway, I, this concept of women bullying women, but there's definitely this concept of one, one thing I do relate is relate to is jealousy and, um, yes. you know, competition and stuff. So, so please, please in, in your world, tell us, tell us. Well, here, here's the thing. Uh, jealousy is actually a very, very good thing. And I've talked to my daughter about this because one of the reasons why my daughter became the artist that she is, because she wasn't just born drawing really amazing stuff. She started out drawing really bad stuff, but she had a friend in elementary school who was drawing amazing stuff. And she mm. was so jealous. And I could see it when the girl had come over and they were drawing at the dining room table. And I said to her, I said, you know, what's, what's going on. And she, I could feel the darkness in her and I could feel the pain in her soul. I could just feel it. Cause you know, you and mm -hmm. I've talked about being an empath and really picking up on people's energies. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I said, I said, babe, I go, you're jealous of your friend. That's jealousy. That's what you're feeling right now. And she's like, Oh, nobody wants to admit that because that's a bad thing. And I'm like, no, that is a good thing. And I'm going to tell you why. 
because that is your soul's longing for something. Mm. You don't want to do what she's doing. You don't want to be her, but there's a little voice inside your head that says, I want to draw. Now, she never had that voice about you know, listening to me sing as a singer going, I want to sing. She, that didn't happen with me. So I never got to have that. Oh, my daughter's taking after me. I don't get to have that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I didn't let that go. That's probably a blessing. That's probably a huge blessing. <laughs> yeah, didn't, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't have that happen. But she did feel that. And so, so what happens is with, with even her personality ever since she was born, and I've noticed this with other girls, and this was my, this was my issue my whole life, is that... I came into this world all excited about just doing stuff. You know, I'm going to go sing or I'm going to go dance or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And I never stopped to think that I was hurting anybody or making anybody else feel bad. I was just shining my light because that's what you do, right? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't looking at anybody else thinking, you know, what's wrong with them? Why are they shining? I just assumed that's what we're all supposed to be doing. Wow. I came in feeling that way. And so I, I did get, I did get shut out by other girls. I did get, I did get bullied, especially in college. I've, I talk, talk about this in my book. Um, I got blackballed by sororities and even in high school, I was never going to be voted homecoming queen because I was never popular enough for that. Um, and I had roommates in college. I got bullied terribly by roommates in college. They would, after, I would leave and they would break my stuff. I mean, my, I used to go down the hall. This was a long time ago, 30 years ago. This is how old I am. And I would get pay on the payphone, and I would be standing by the elevator in Drackett Tower at Ohio State University crying to my mom because my roommates <sighs> had done something mean to me. And it was like, what did I ever do to them, you know? Right. So, yeah, it was funny because there was a guy, this story, I don't tell the book, but there was a kid that showed up in the lobby of uh, the music hall I think it's Vogel, it's called Vogel Hall at Ohio State University. And he came up to me in the, like the lounge area and he just walked up to me and he says, he goes, I can't take it anymore. I didn't do it. I know you think I did it, but I didn't do it. And I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> he goes, apparently he was in the dorm room having, you know, at a party where I was out and my roommates were having people over. And apparently my roommates took my favorite coffee mug with my kitty cat on it and they crashed it into the ground and it was broken. So when I came home, it was broken and they said, oh, whatever this guy's name was, did it. And he was really sorry. And so he thought that I thought it was him. He thought I knew who he was. And so he was having this big confession. And I was oh like, I'm like, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> God, that's hilarious. <laughs> and he said, they did it. I'm like, I'm like, so you think, I always thought I was paranoid, but I'm like, no, I'm not paranoid. They really did hate me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, God. In the, in the pageant world, did you deal with anything like that too? Or were people? Um, well, you know what? There was a mild amount of stuff that kind of happened. Like I couldn't find a pair. My shoes were on the other side of the dressing room. Somehow they weren't and I was getting ready to go out on stage. There were several oh times gosh. where people right. try to sabotage you. And, but for the most part, I have some great relationships with girls that I competed with. And I've learned now reconnecting with girls who competed and who are state title holders from the Miss America pageant system. There, there are friend groups. And they, it really is a sisterhood. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and it, that, that I guess is because we've all been through the same situation where we went to compete at that pageant that you only get to go to once and you can never mm -hmm. go back. So yeah. we all have the same experience with that, but there is a sisterhood there. Now 
there's more of a sisterhood there, but that's a very small segment of the population. But I do know that in the real world that we live and breathe in, in women in general, that women are not, um, they're not as happy sisterhood as we need to be. There's a lot of, there's a lot of infighting and bullying and undermining. And it really has to do with people not feeling good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I talked to uh, my daughter about is, you know, when people feel the need to do that, it's because they are unhappy with what's going on with themselves. They're walking around in their pain body. And, you know, that's why they're, they're lashing out in this way. Because if you're minding your own business, because I always say mind your own business. If you are minding your own business, if you are running your own race and you're, in a, you're a racehorse and you've got those blinders on, run your own race. You're not running anybody else's race. Yeah. And nobody can slow your role. Nobody really can slow your role because even if you have similar talents to other people, everyone is unique and there's enough success and love and beauty and everything to go around. You don't, you don't need somebody else's stuff. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. I was recently, I just realized that I was, I was just saying earlier that I've never been bullied. Now I'm remembering all these times that I was bullied. Including one very recently. <laughs> recently, I was I was bullied, and but this person is when you said the word pain body, I remembered that mm -hmm. um, that that was the experience that I was having. Is that she was just it wasn't it was like she wasn't being herself. So this it's yeah. like the the bully the pain body became the bully and overtook her. But at but it was I had to bite my tongue many times to not deliver you know, a, a sword back, you know, I, I really, I wanted to fight back. Well, it feel, it feels good to get in the mud pit. Sometimes we want to, and the drama and you just get so angry and then you have to vent. I mean, I like to vent about things and my daughter and I also vent about stuff to each other, Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's a real thing that happens. And when you brought up remembering things, the reason why I tell these stories of different moments is because when I looked back, I look back at my life and I remember very pivotal moments in my life. I have vivid memories of things that other people, I remember my very first birthday cake when I was one years old. And I remember oh. crying my eyes out because it wasn't chocolate. And my oh. mom and dad were like, why is she bawling? And I remember crying going, why did these people give me this white cake? What is happening? <laughs> and I couldn't, you know, I wasn't be able to talk about it, but, uh. but remembering things really gives you like this, this, had an effect on me, or this is why, and, and in order for you to heal certain things that you do over and over again, or relationships that you get into, or, or you know, trying to get past certain limitations, you, you have to remember when that first came into place. So you can remember, oh, that made me feel like I couldn't do this, yes. but that, that was just my interpretation at the time, and that wasn't even real. So yes, you get you're, to you're basically, back. in a nutshell, um, explained my entire book, Superhero of Love. So thank you. <laughs> That's essentially what the book does. But you, st I mean, and as much work as I've done, you're still bringing up these really great memories. But and one of the things I'm always talking about is taking care of each other's hearts and helping each other take care of each other's hearts. Like the, yeah. the bullying situation that I just had, this person was not only bullying me, she was bullying a couple of other people as well. And um, we just gathered, there was no reason for us to go and talk to the pain body. You know, there was, no, there was, there was all the reason in the world for us to just take care of our own hearts. Because for each of us, it was pressing an old childhood button. 
for me, she was bullying me in the exact same precise way. She was accusing me of things that I had not done, nor was it even anywhere near my intention. And so my, my mother would do that in my childhood. Did you do this? You know, and it would be like wacko stuff. And <clears throat> so she was pushing this childhood button and she yep. was revealing to me, this is something that needs to be healed. And for all of us, we had that experience. Oh, there's a piece of our hearts that needs to be healed. And what a great thing, actually, that, this, that, 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 that the bullying happened because it afforded us the opportunity to help each other heal our hearts. You know what? I have a, a, my, my second book is Skip the Princess, Raise the Queen. Yes, which has nothing, that title. Which has nothing to do with princesses. It's, it's, about, it's about not being an entitled princess, but being the queen of your own domain. But, um, and that's, that's daily wisdom practices where I go into more detail about all of these daily wisdom things that I have incorporated from my over 20 years of my, uh, my healing practices, my self-realization work and everything that I've done to get to the place where I am and still on the journey, of course. But my, you'll love the title of my, the working title of my third book is called why I was a bitch, the healing of a damaged sisterhood. And, oh, that's good. And I have been a bitch because people were, they were, they were bitches to me. Women hated me. And so I was like, I was, there was a while there where I was pretty much of a diva bitch. And it wasn't who I am as a person because I'm a love bug at my heart, but I was so damaged and so hurt. And but so are we all, aren't we all yes. love bugs at heart? Like really, yeah. we are love bugs, right? And greatest gift we give each other is seeing the love bug in each other it's like even when somebody's being a bully like we like that's and that's one of the cool things that three of us did you know the bullied (laughs) was like we could all see her love bug but there's no use even telling her that we saw her love bug in that moment because she was living out of her body so of her pain body so it's like what a great gift to see that's a good t-shirt my love bug. I see your love bug. Do you see mine? (laughs) Well, the one thing that I've told my daughter when she has issues with girls, because my daughter's super sensitive and she loves people and she, she doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. Um, cause she's a serious, she's a serious empath and she's, she, she doesn't uh, bully people. She doesn't say mean things to people. Um, and she just doesn't understand how all of that works. But, um, but what I tell her is, you, can, you don't need to keep yourself in the same space with people who are being in, and they're in a bad space. Mm-hmm. Just like having a first husband, okay? I have an ex-husband who was terrible relationship. It was, it was not a thing that should have lasted. And hopefully he's past that. Doesn't mean that he's a terrible with any, in a terrible relationship with his current wife or whatever he's doing. It just means that it, that's, that's not the space that he was supposed to be in, nor I, I needed to get out of there because it was a life-saving measure for me. Mm-hmm. And I say, it, just because someone's in that space, it doesn't define who they are permanently as a human being. So yeah. you can lovingly like, separate yourself and let that person be on their journey, but you don't have to be a part of their drama and you don't have to make it a part of, you know, of what's happening for you and cause you any kind of grief or pain um, you don't, you don't need to participate in that because it's not healthy. Yeah. So yeah. like healthy boundaries and see the love bug. <laughs> there, there it is. Healthy boundaries, see the love bug. But yeah, so those are the kinds of things that I'm constantly talking with my daughter about. And I'm honest with her about what I'm going through. I mean, I don't, she's not my therapist or anything like that, but she's, she knows when I'm having a bad day or if I, I show up in a bad way, it's like, you know, I'm not, 
I said something really mean to my best friend today and it was really catty and I can't believe I, I showed up that way today. Mm. You know, so something's going on with me and now I feel really crappy about it. So mm. I, I open up the space to give permission to say, man, I did not show up good today. Mm. <laughs> and then, yeah. but that's not who I am as a person. And we, you can honestly say, like my daughter will tell me, yeah, mom, you know, you know what, mom, you need to take a deep breath and, or, or I'll tell her something and she'll go, yeah, mom, you're taking that way too personally. I don't know what's going on with you. If we do lash out, if anybody lashes out, it's because uh, their love bug is hurting, right? Like there's some yeah. pain, the pain yeah, body is bigger than the love bug body. I love your book, your book title and your podcast. I was on there looking around and I was like, this is super cool. I'm really excited about your work. And um, it, really, it, it really does go hand in hand with what I'm doing. Absolutely. And yeah. I, just, I just hope that so many people get to experience what you're writing about because it's really important. It really is. Thank you. Okay. And speaking of that, tell yeah. everybody how they can find you and where they can buy your book and where you are on all the social media, please. <laughs> so they can okay. track you down like a wild boar. <laughs> track, track me down. Let's see. So I am on, I'm on Facebook. I have Susan K. Wyatt author on Facebook, but you that you can definitely go find me there. And I have SusanKWyattAuthor.com. My, my, uh, my, um, my website link is on everything. I'm on Instagram as Susan K. Wyatt. And I think I'm at, at on Twitter at raise the queen. Um, but my, but my website, SusanKWyattAuthor.com, go on there, take a look around and definitely sign up for my mailing list. And one of these days I will feel, I will figure out how to use MailChimp. So <laughs> People are like, I've signed up and you haven't sent me anything. I said, be happy. I'm not bombarding you with stuff. And I'm like, I'm, I really want to sit down and figure that out. But I'm the creative who doesn't want to go and do all the technical stuff. So, um, Dude, so I'm yeah. so with you. Baby, we should have a, we can have a, we can have a chimp day. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then Amazon.com, obviously, please, you know, go immediately before you even close this podcast, everybody run over to Amazon and get this book. Oh, absolutely. Amazon.com is, is the quickest way to get the book. Barnes and Noble, for some reason, is having a glitch. They, they keep either they run out of books or something keeps happening. So um, I keep telling people, try to go. If you're a Barnes and Noble person, you know, go, if, if you can't get it, like have, you know, tell them about it. Say, it. Why, can, yeah. why can't I get this book? Yes. <laughs> Yes, shake someone by the collar. No, don't shake someone by the collar. Yeah. So no, I've been. I've been. The the feedback that I've gotten has been amazing. I I, I had a pre read uh, sent out to many many different people, uh, from women who are young women to moms of daughters to actually the daughters themselves and dads of daughters and even the dads. They came back and said, "Oh my gosh, every every dad should read your book. I wish I would have had this when I was." when I was raising my kids and I've had all kinds of uh, feedback that way. And it just makes my heart so happy that it's being so well received and people are really relating. I'm not giving new information here. And you know, Bridget, it's like we, everybody has a voice and anybody who's writing a book out there who says, who am I, to, who am I to go? Who am I being called to be called to do this or to share this information? And you are being called to share whatever it is because it's from your perspective and we all need to read it in different ways at different points in our life. And, yeah. um, and it's, 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 it matters. So your voice does matter. And um, I finally got brave enough to stop listening to that stupid voice in my head that says, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. 
oh, and so great. And who who do you think you are thinking that you're going to write a book about parenting when you don't have a degree in parenting? And it's like, well, it's kind of you more. Do, don't wait, wait, wait. I I'm I'm now bestowing a degree upon you. You, <laughs> you have a degree. You have a degree. You have a 17 year old. Uh, yeah. Highly yeah. successful, engaged, vibrant, amazing child. So there we go. I you do. are. I you do. Are, you now have a master's in parenting. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. I'll give oh, you the honey. diploma later. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I really, really do. <laughs> see, I feel. See, now my my whole love bug is all restored. See, love there bug. you go. And now you can go back to your best friend and be all love buggy with her. And exactly. Exactly. Spread the love bug. Right. All the time. That's, that's a that's a good note to end on. Thank you, SK, for coming on. Especially, I mean, this is the week right after the Miss America podcast, so it's on everybody's um, mind right now. And yeah, and I appreciate you coming on um, now and for and for awakening all of our our love bug, our inner love bugs. <laughs> oh, honey, thank you, thank you so much for having me and and for us finding each other. I mean, honestly, the one of the best parts of the journey of me finally getting my message out there is continuing to meet other women who inspire me to no end. And you are one of them. And I'm just so grateful for you having me on your podcast, which is a beautiful thing. And just for our connection uh, as, as sisters on the path. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, and it's with, our, with our, our sister who brought us together, a shout out to shaman and healer, Carol Woodliffe, who I think is on like number episode number two or three in my podcast. So everybody run, run and go listen to Carol's episode too. She's yeah. the one who magically with her magic shaman fairy dust um, brought us she, she is a gift to the world. Carol's very special. Any, anything Carol does, you got to go find that for sure. Carol Woodliffe, absolutely. Have a most wonderful love bug day, SK. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, too. Bye. Thanks for joining us, Superhero. Go check out Susan K. Wyatt's book at Amazon.com. That's no crown required. You can also pre-order Superhero of Love. And you can leave a little note over at uh, iTunes if you want to encourage other people to join us here at Superhero of Love. The more superheroes, the better. Thanks, everybody.